This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. We're at the Humerian Health Podcast today with Dr. Sean Benzinger and myself, Amy Baker. And we're here with our favorite pet vet. Wait, isn't a vet a Specialist pet du doctor? Jour. Anyway? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Julie Toll, um, who's actually going to talk to us about a very serious topic, um, which is pet cancer. Yep. Um, and just to kind of help us understand sort of the ins and outs of it, how prevalent it is, yep. um, just kind of get a current state of the state yep. um, of what that is. So thank you, Dr. Toll, for, for joining us again today. No problem. I think many people don't um, really think about cancer you know, in pets, um, but they get it as as much probably as we do. Um, a sobering statistic is uh, last year, at least for the last several years, according to um, both uh, American Animal Hospital Association and um, uh, Colorado State University, which has a very large pet cancer center, um, one million dogs a year get cancer. Wow. wow. And that's probably just in the United States, you know, but it's one million a year. And 50% of the dogs over 10 years old will die of cancer. Wow. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> we're, going, we're in stereo. Yeah, that's oh. it. Well, you know, I, I, I really think that one of the things that we want uh, the listeners to know, that the reason we're covering this is because we know this is really sensitive topic matter because many have lost their dogs cats to cancer exactly and went through this and it's like losing their children and it is very very painful so understanding what it is uh how likely it is uh preventative measures all that so you know i'm just we're just right. so happy to have you on talking about this to try to at least help prevent some of this yep exactly and not to leave out cats um but we're not i, I think the cat statistics are um, less well-known um, because a lot of cats never go to the vet. I mean, they just don't really like riding in cars, and it's always, you know, often a problem to take them. So um, I think it's grossly underreported, the amount, you know, of cancer we have in kitties. Um, and 25% of the cancers in cats, though, are related to uh, lymphoma or lymphosarcoma, uh, same disease, um, and that in kitties is related to is often related to the feline leukemia virus. So oh. an exposure to that. Wait, okay. wait, wait, um, wait, wait! A leukemia virus. So, mm -hmm. what is that? That's kind of like some of the you know uh, lymphomas in people. Um, certainly, can be virus related. Not all, but some. Um, and for dogs, at least, the, the five most common uh, tumors right now are lymphoma, hemangiosarcoma, uh, mast cell tumor, melanoma, and osteosarcoma. And all those sound bad, and, and they are. Um, and then kitties, we know lymphoma accounts for about 25% of um, the cancers in cats. And they get some of the same ones, um, you know, mammary cancer, um, mast cell, uh, melanoma, um, and probably squamous cell carcinoma uh, in kitties is a little more prevalent. So, hmm. um, yeah. And, and I think um, there's various things, you know, we can do to uh, help them. 
the biggest thing is to be aware that they get these diseases, you know, and to get them regular medical care and to notice changes in your pet quickly and get them seen, you know, so that can be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a big one. You know, if we have changes in skin, you know, we've got lumps and bumps. Not every lump and bump is uh, cancer or tumor, but um, we need to know, you know what those are and get those checked out. Um, changes in eating, drinking, activity uh, level, um, you know, even being painful. Uh, that may not be uh, just arthritis. That may be some type of tumor or cancer. So just being aware of that, um, I think, is, is important. Um, and the other thing uh, in big awareness of breast cancer, animals do get breast cancer, too. Uh, because so many dogs and cats are spayed and neutered early uh, earlier in their life, um, that incidence has gone way down uh, because of the typically the estrogen influence um, is not there, um, and so that reduces the the likelihood of contracting a cancer of the mammary tissue. So. Now, now you um, were talking often, about earlier uh, about regular exams, those types of things. Mm-hmm. If if you were setting up the standard exam and the procedures, poop tests, whatever they need to be done, uh, what would that be on, and in what consistency in an earlier aged animal to older aged animal so that you would say that's a pretty thorough exam for prevention? What would that look like? So I think your your physical exam is number one. And just, you know, going, putting your hands on the animal, listening to the animal, all that type of thing. Um, and noting anything that's changed. Um, because a lot of times we can see changes. Um, and then we should be investigating those. Okay. Um, the other surveillance type things we can do is um, x-rays. Um, we also have thermography that's available for pets now. It's not widely available, but just like um, in a lot of cancer detection in people, uh, thermography using the heat signature of the body um, to uh, identify tissues that are more active than surrounding tissue and, and taking a look at that and, and trying to identify what, what the cause of that is. Um, because that's not normal. Um, so that can help uh, early detection of any cancers. Um, and so chest x-ray, you know, abdominal x-ray, ultrasound, um, you know, those, those things can all be done and combined with a good physical exam. There's also new technology that's developing all the time. We have a couple um, blood tests that identify um, the rapidly, you know, dividing cells. And um, there's a couple markers. There's a haptoglobin and a thymine kinase and uh, a C-reactive protein. Um, And if those, you know, combinations of markers are very elevated, then uh, there's a high likelihood that there's a cancer somewhere and we can go in and really start looking at that. Um, and that gives us um, statistics in the, say, 
say that that gives us about six months early warning for, hey, this cancer hasn't completely developed. We're not seeing signs of it, but we should go and look so we can catch this and address this early. So those are new, exciting developments, I think, that are out there. That's great. Well, and are there other things that you recommend in terms of, like, I don't know, things to feed or not to feed your dogs or chemicals to use or not to use relative to what research has shown with cancer? So I think, you know, cancer is this multifactorial disease, and it is not just one disease. It's, you know, 300. Um, And each different type of cancer behaves differently, and we know has different, at least some different triggers. So, you know, just a a blanket approach is difficult. But like in us, I think, you know, filtered or watch your, you know, water, both what you bathe in and what you drink. Um, Watch what you're eating and try to make that as helpful and non, you know, contaminated, non-processed as possible. Um, And, you know, really be be careful of your sources of food. and then exercise and fresh air and the, the mental aspect, too, is certainly there for animals. Um, they need the exercise. Um, and that even goes for indoor kitties. Um, and I know uh, there's a couple, um, there's the Indoor Cat Initiative, um, which is, I think you can get to that with uh, www.savethecouches. Dot com, <laughs> you know, and and it can can uh, give people some ideas about exercise with house cats, um, and then taking your you know dogs out uh, for walks and making sure that they get good exercise too, um, and then the foundation of all cancers, to my knowledge, is inflammation. So if we're thinking about and tracking inflammation in the body with maybe a C-reactive protein or looking at, you know, some of the other markers um, and thinking about controlling inflammation, controlling, um, you know, and and reducing dental inflammation and disease and, you know, any infections and, and that type of thing, not letting these things linger. I think those are super important. So, so that's kind of my... Mm-hmm. So now uh, we know in the human side, um, environmental factors, quality of foods, et cetera, et cetera, have really pushed the cancer levels to uh, all-time highs. Same type problems with um, dogs, cats. Uh, are we looking at the same things, or are there some other extremes that we would not think of? No, I think it's really the same thing, you know, and um, that they're the, the other thing is that they are closer to the ground. So if we do have, you know, treated lawns or toxins or that type of thing, I mean, they walk barefoot all day. We just, mm-hmm. So they're not insulated from their environment quite as much as we are. Um, so I think it, it does matter, you know, what you are doing to the, their environment and, and your lawn and, you know, that type of thing. Um, do I think you should never use anything on that? Not necessarily. Um, but there's certainly a risk there, and I think you have to take and look at, at the whole toxicity in the environment and food 
and try to reduce that as much as is feasible. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And God forbid that um, one of the animals that someone owns does get cancer, and I know it all depends on the type of cancer. Treatments. Um, are they advancing? Are we doing what we do in humans, which is radiation and, and chemotherapy or alternative routes? Yeah. What are, what's, what's yep. a, if they faced with that, I mean, what are you going to do? Instead? First of all, it's traumatic. I mean, you, you have to give them the news that dog has cancer, or cat has cancer. That's tough. Um, how do you lead them, and um, what's advancing there? Sure. I think there's many advances, and some of them are quite exciting. Um, and one of the reasons I, I recommend that people get pet insurance um, is because these cancer treatments are available. And if you would want, you know, your pet to uh, have some of this, they're expensive. Um, and just like in, you know, luckily not quite so much as in human medicine, but um, certainly as we develop more technology um, and that continues to grow, the price just goes up. Um, so there's many, many things that are available. We do the same, um, you know, radiation, um, and it's usually not, uh, radiation and chemotherapy necessarily to cure something, but to make life livable, um, and good. We're in people because usually people are living so long, they really are kind of shooting for a cure with most cancers, mm-hmm. um, and in dogs and cats with their shorter lifespan, we're usually shooting for, um, you know, helping them live a full life um, and a longer one with the disease. No, I didn't so, I didn't realize that. That is a completely different angle then, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really kind of a different angle. Um, and so, and the other uh, ethical or, or issue is, we, we can't have a dog or cat choose whether they want this procedure or not. So right. we're choosing for them. Right. And we can't explain to them, you know, you're going to feel really horrible with this chemo for, you know, a month or two. And then it'll be worth it and it'll be over. So we take a little different um, tact in dogs and cats. And they still have to have a pretty good, um, you know, good life while they're going through treatment rather than some, you know, if you've had a loved one or friend that's gone through, you know, chemotherapy or some other of the treatments, um, they can be, have some very severe side effects. Mm-hmm. And we just typically are not doing that with animals because, um, you know, we can't, they can't uh, consent to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and we don't want to make them miserable. Um, you know, uh, when they haven't considered to that. So that makes sense. Um, really does. Yeah. Yep. So is it pretty yep. typical that any vet office that somebody might go to and they find out they get a diagnosis of cancer with their pet that they would be able to be treated in that office? Or do you find that people are typically then like referred on to somebody who's like a specialist? How does that how does that process work? Yeah, it depends. You know, I think there's a board certified veterinary oncologist. And there's also board-certified radiation, you know, therapists, too. Mm. 
Um, so in, you know, almost any, almost any specialty you find in the human medicine side, there's a veterinary equivalent. Um, so just knowing that, you know, there's information out there and there's people out there that can help you, um, if you're not getting everything you want from, you know, your vet or you can't get to, you know, your vet easily. Um, most vets, uh, are equipped to do surgery. Um, which is frequently, you know, something that, that we're going to do if it's able to be removed, taken off, um, and then, you know, and then sometimes we get a diagnosis after that with a biopsy, um, or we're able to completely, you know, take that off and, and pretty much, quote, cure it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's wonderful. Um, and I think that's sometimes the first, first line of defense. Um, and then, you know, uh, so I think most practices are able to do that. Um, and then some practices additionally can do, um, you know, chemotherapy and some forms of chemotherapy. Um, and uh, there's also herbal therapy, which we do a lot of uh, Chinese herbs and regular herbs for cancers to support, you know, um, the animals. And they still have cancer. We're not, you know, most of the time, we're not curing it, but we're giving them a long, um, you know, life. Uh, and at least, you know, it ranges from a couple months to quite a few years mm-hmm. um, living with the disease um, and having a good life with that um, and not going through traditional, you know, chemotherapy um, or radiation. Um, and then there's, there's the universities and specialty centers that do all sorts of things, um, you know, limb, uh, limb replacement or limb uh, therapy for osteosarcoma. They're grafting bones um, and doing implants and things like that for, uh, you know, different limb surgeries. Um, there's also one of the things that we've started using is a vaccine for cancer. Um, and so we'll go in and surgically take a piece of the tumor, send it into the company that's making the vaccine, and within 48 hours, they process that and send it back to us, creating a series of three vaccines against that cancer that the animal has. Wow. Um, one of the I reasons no idea. for doing it, yeah, for doing it so quickly is. Um, those cells can mutate. So you want to actually get that first vaccine on board and stimulating the dog or cat's immune system to attacking that as quickly as possible. Very so, impressive. And that's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And we've yeah. had some really great successes for that, um, especially for cancers, you know, that we know are so, you know, invasive that we can't get all of it. You know, there's, sure. uh, you know, one on the, the chest of a dog, and it's deep into his muscle, and we just can't take all of that out, you know? Um, it can't can't be done and have him, uh, you know, recover full use of his, you know, front leg. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's his life, is, you know, running, playing ball, doing some agility things with with mom and dad, and um, that wouldn't be fair to him. Yeah. So, I think that's pretty much what I'm going to do. I'm going to start just um, <laughs> chasing balls and hang out with mom and dad. 
I'm pretty much done exactly. with all the other stuff. I've I've had it. Nice. Awesome. So let's um yeah. I, I, I have never heard I've never heard of that, that they allowed that kind of a quick turnaround. I've mm-hmm. never heard of it on humans. I I haven't heard anything I, about it. Yeah. Ooh, that I mean, to me that's just smart. Mostly if it's viral yeah. based or otherwise that is just really smart. So yeah. let's say that um we back up just a little bit. We're, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but um, but um, so someone gets a puppy, and they start with the process of doing the best they can with the health of the puppy. Are there, if you were looking at key components, which you've already mentioned, hey, regular regular appointments, noticing the small things, um, but when you look at the food and the challenge of of raising a puppy. And those things that would predispose that animal to cancer most, because there's a certain amount of vaccines they have to get, a lot of things. Are there a few things that are done consistently that you say, hey, I, I, I really don't advise them to do this. And I advise these type of foods to not be part of that puppy or cat's um, life just because we're seeing some positive response if we don't have it. Are there a few beginning things for uh, beginning um, owners that maybe you can – direct to them just because, hey, uh, prevention's by far the best way in comparison to them getting cancer. Right. Just any other ideas, because now that you came out with this vaccine thing, I'm thinking we're missing out on a bunch of other stuff, too. Right. Well, I think it all revolves, to me, around protecting the immune system, because the immune system is our, our and, and their mammal way of you know protecting the body. So if we're not, um, you know, allowing the immune system to do its work effectively, then we're not being surveillant against cancer because we each have multiple cancer cells in us that our body kills off every day. And that's the same for animals. So, you know, it's really, to me, directed at protecting the immune system. And to do that, um, one, I'm going to give the best food that I can. And with that, we have started recommending that um, if you're feeding dry, which we do for convenience typically, that um, we only feed about 50% dry and at least 50%, you know, some sort of wet, home-cooked, you know, balanced diet, uh, whether it's canned, you know, for, for home-cooked or raw or whatever it is you get 50% of another fresh food diet. Um, And then um, the other is vaccines and being careful um, about, you know, that uh, the frequency of those, how many, when, um, not all the vaccines at one time. I think this is very, very hard on the immune system. Um, And, you know, I think it's very important that puppies and kittens get their initial, you know, shot to get their immune system up and running, you know, against those communicable diseases. But they shouldn't be getting every single shot every year. There, there's, you know, proven uh, document that, that they just don't need that. Um, just like we don't get all our vaccines every year um, because our immune system uh, – doesn't work that way. I mean, it remembers. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of data in dogs and cats. And if you look out there, uh, Dr. Jean Dodds uh, is wonderful. And uh, Colorado State has done a lot of uh, of that. There's uh, vaccine recommendations. 
that are out there for dogs and cats um, of American Animal Hospital Association, et cetera. And most all of them are going to, um, you know, three-year vaccines for the core vaccine. Um, and it, so I think that in looking at what your dog or cat is truly at risk for. So I think that's important. Um, and then, you know, adequate rest, uh, you know, water, food, exercise. I think we know that definitely impacts humans uh, and it, it impacts animals, uh, their immune system and making sure that it's strong. So Makes sense. I, you know, I can only think of yep. one other thing that probably you probably overlooked. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, doggy vacations. Oh, yeah, at least at least at least two weeks uh, two two weeks to three weeks a year guaranteed to a doggy that's center right. near you. Yeah, dog I just think that's right. With the owner, yeah, with, with the owner. With the <laughs> nice, yeah. Well, leading on them hand and foot. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this is great information, especially in light of um, Pet Cancer Awareness yeah, Month, absolutely. which is in May, and um, certainly helping folks. I mean, the key to that that is awareness. I mean, I think yeah. you know we've talked a lot about you know how to pay closer attention to your pet's skin and what they're eating and their behavior and I mean all good things to be aware of. All things that right? you can do. Yeah. I mean for sure. you didn't Very mention right. anything they couldn't yeah. do. And I, yeah. I think the the shots, um yeah. I think sometimes uh, they're getting ready to leave and they get forced into a bunch of shots to be able to stick them somewhere. I think uh, pr- uh, planning could prevent a lot mm-hmm. of problems with for each of these animals. Right. So that makes sense. I like yeah. that. And and I'm a big big fan of pet sitters in general too. Mm. Uh, where the dog or cat can stay in their own environment and um, doesn't have to go. And that's not not for all of them or every situation, but um, I think that's generally less stressful um, for the animals too. And to and early detection, I think uh, you know is is a big thing. Don't you know? Uh, I would say there's so many things on the internet. You know, don't be sucked in by. Uh, still, there's snake oil out there. You know, sure. there's products that that have a little bit of scientific evidence, but um, you know they don't have any clinical trials. There's no real data. Um, it, we have much better stuff. Um, yeah. And you know, get a professional involved, get a diagnosis, and then see what your options are from there. Yeah. Is what I would advise. You know, I, I've heard, which I, uh, I did not know, was um, I have a few patients that are dog walkers, and they now are starting to pick up on exactly what you said, which is they will actually <clears throat> allow you to hire them to come into your home mm-hmm. several times a day, feed the dog, take care of the dog, walk the dog while you're on vacation, which probably is a much healthier environment for that animal. Does that, does that align with your th- what you're thinking? I didn't know if that right. made sense, but yep. it sounded like it. Yep, it does, and there's even an app for that. So of course, there of course, is. there is. <laughs> there's several. <laughs> That's great. Just to let people know, all you have to do is look, and you're gonna find it. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Well, fabulous, Doctor so. Toll. Like usual, great advice, great insights. Um, we always appreciate your time. We we appreciate you make time for us. No problem. Glad you learned something today. Yes, always, always. <laughs> Every time we talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. All right. You guys take care. Okay. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. 
Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Humarian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com.